Hello everyone, welcome to The Hangout. I'm your host, Star Eisenberg. I'd like to start with an offering of some good words. Oftentimes, we don't see how brave or strong we are when we are in the midst of struggle. We only see what we can't do, what our shortcomings are, and how we said the wrong things. The mere fact that you've encountered struggles in the past is proof that you are smarter and stronger than before. Every experience teaches us something, even when we aren't aware of the lesson. Trust that you are stronger, you are smarter. This problem might seem big, but it's not bigger than you. That is a quote from Emily Marutian from her book, The Book of Relief. Emily's an award-winning writer, poet, and philosopher. She's authored several best-selling books within the fields of personal development and philosophy. I'm so excited to have her as a guest on our show today. Welcome, Emily. Hi, Star. Good morning. Good morning. I am so excited to have you here. And I'll give our listeners a little bit of backstory as to how we met. We attended the same communications class in college together. And I just remember being so impressed with you and your background and your wealth of knowledge that you would share with everyone on the topics of self-care and mindfulness. And I'm just I'm so excited to have you here today. Oh, thank you, Star. I, yeah, it was, uh, I think, uh, Speech 101, and I yep. was very nervous about taking it because uh, I haven't really practiced speech or speaking very well, but I would like to, so I was like, okay, let me take this class. It's kind of scary, a little nervous about doing it, but I'll do it, and being on camera was just very very nerve-wracking for me but you seemed like a natural i would watch your videos and i was like wow this girl i mean she's she's definitely going somewhere because she just seems like a natural on camera oh my gosh you're so sweet thank you but Girlfriend, I'm just trying to be like you, okay? I could not tell. I could not tell what you just told me right now. You were just so amazing and captivating on camera and really just hearing you talk about your work and some of the tips and things that you would share about practicing mental health and self-care. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is an amazing person. She needs to be a girlfriend in my circle. She is so cool and you are just such an inspiration and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on today. We're gonna be talking talking about self-care, mental health, and steps we can take to improve our quality of life. But before we jump into that, Emily, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? I'd love to hear more about your story and how your journey led you to becoming such an amazingly talented writer. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, well, I began writing at about 12, 11 years old, but it wasn't really anything that was remotely near what I'm writing now. It was mostly just fiction stuff here and there, just my fantasies, my imagination gone wild. And uh, as a teen, I became really interested in philosophy, uh, almost obsessively interested. I, it's all I wanted to read. It's all I wanted to talk about. And I knew that I would have to major in philosophy and learn more about it. And I was going towards a philosophy degree to possibly become a philosophy professor. It was just one of those things where I was like, okay, I can write about philosophy and I can also teach philosophy. So that was um, back in 2002 is when I graduated high school. So 2003, 2004 is when I was in college uh, studying philosophy. And, uh, but then I became ill and had to drop out because we didn't have any online classes and it wasn't just as easy as it is now. So um, I had to drop out and then I had to basically go back to work and, and pay bills and, and school just kind of went on the wayside and, and I spent time writing and building my business, my publishing company, and just studying personally, like on, on a, just 
my own self-education and through my own experiences and healing myself and working on myself. And that's basically where most of my books come from. And uh, so then just recently, I decided that I would uh, go back to school and go ahead and finish it since COVID forced everything online. I thought, oh, well, look, I can, I can finally finish that BA that I just kind of left up in the air. And so that's basically what I decided to do this year, which was uh, really awesome because then I met you and I've met so many really wonderful people who have also returned and aren't just um, starting out out of high school. There's a lot of people who took the opportunity because of everything being online right now to go back to school and, and get those degrees. And I recommend anybody who's listening who wants to do that. Now is a really great time to do that because everything's online now. It's just so much simpler, so much easier, and you can kind of schedule it around your schedule so it doesn't kind of take over your life. So that's where I'm at now. Um, I'm, I think I'm about 15 books out. I know the time around August uh, you were working, is that your most recent book? Yeah, so I was still, when we were in speech class, I was still putting uh, the finishing touches of my book. I had just gotten it back from the editor. I had been working so hard on it for about a year. And I was just kind of like, I, on the, like in the home stretch with that one as I was trying to get like class stuff done and, and working full time and just all that stuff. And so I was like, okay, I just, I just got to get this thing in. And then, so that's why it was like another thing where uh, we were doing speech class and I was trying to talk about my work and I was trying to figure out, okay, how do I say the things that I say without sounding, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm bragging about my 15 books, you know? And, and so it was like, so it was, it's actually been really interesting to like, everyone goes, oh, you know, so tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, in the, the class discussion. And then I have to go, okay. Um, so I'm a published author and I, I have this many books and voila wow, you're a published author and you have, you have this many books and blah, blah, blah. You know, you should be teaching. Why are you in school? I'm like, well, I have to be in school first before I can teach. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I finished that book. I just got it in summer during summer class. And, and it came out, I think I want to say August 5th. And so it's been that for the, the past three months of just trying to promote it and, and market it. It's a self-development book. It's a self-help book. It helps you kind of deal with negative emotions, negative thoughts, working with the body. It's a more holistic approach of the emotions in the body and how to release those intense emotions in the body and how to work with your thoughts, how to work with... Because, you know, what's interesting is, you know, initially my my focus was on philosophy, but then when I had to drop out because I got... Um, ill physically it had an effect on me mentally and emotionally and going through healing that and working on that led me to kind of curve towards psychology as well because i essentially had no choice i had to heal that too because i couldn't move forward without it i had really horrible anxiety agoraphobia ptsd just stuff that just stopped me in my tracks so in my um, journey into healing that, I noticed that a lot of my writing started to veer in that direction because the more I learned and the more I applied it to myself, the more I wanted to share it with other people. Where it's like, hey, this worked for me. Maybe it'll work for you. So, so most of my writing kind of veered towards that self-care, self-development, healing, trauma. So this last book that I put out, it's called Your Empowered Self. It is a culmination, I would say, of the past 15 years of everything that, I, well, not everything, because I don't think you can fit that in a book. The majority of what I've learned that has helped me um, 
to heal helped me to move forward with my life. I kind of like tried to cram it into this book, which is um, probably my longest book and my meatiest book, I would say. I feel like for you, your art is through your writing and being able to express yourself and work through your emotions through your art. And that's a form of self-care. How can we find better ways to practice self-care and find more mindfulness throughout our day? Okay, so that's good because so let's 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 define self-care and mindfulness so that we're very clear about like what that means because those words are thrown around a lot and people go, oh, yeah, I tried that and it's like, but what? What was it that you tried? It's it's like a, such a generalized self-care. So what does that exactly mean? So so to sum it up as as succinctly as I can, self-care is basically taking care of your needs. Now that sounds really simple and like, oh, well, yeah, of course I'm taking care of our, taking care of my needs. I'm alive. So I must be, but that's not necessarily true. You might be taking care of your physical needs to exist, but taking care of your needs is a emotional, mental, physical, holistic approach, right? So that's, that means not ignoring, dismissing, or denying your needs, your need to speak up in this moment, believe it or not, denying that can turn into anxiety. Uh, Denying that can turn into depression. Being inauthentic in your life can turn into all of these other mental issues as well as physical ones too. It can start giving you fatigue, muscle aches, high blood pressure. Our emotions physically affect our body. So the first place you want to start is in taking care of your needs and understanding what your needs are. So If you're 18, if you're 20, if you're 40, if you're 50, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you spent a year denying needs or dismissing needs or not even being aware of your own needs and what they are. You can start literally today. You listen to your body. You kind of come into yourself. Actually, let's let's define uh, mindfulness so that we can kind of get both mindfulness and self-care together. Mindfulness simply means being with your present experience as it's unfolding. So you're not lost in the memory from the past or swept up in a fantasy about the future. You're not like in your thoughts, you're not in your head, but you are aware of your thoughts. Your awareness though is like here and now with whatever you're currently experiencing mentally, emotionally, physically. The you that observes is present. It's in the present moment. So through that present moment, that presence, that that mindfulness is where you can kind of become more in touch with your needs. If you're hungry and you're like, no, but I really got to finish this thing first, you're denying a physical need. You know that you should get up and find something to eat. Uh, Now, of course, this is not something that you can do every single time a need comes up. There are certain situations where you will not be able to do that, like if you're stuck in a meeting or something like that. But generally speaking, if you get into the habit of denying your needs, you know, you know, you have to do this, you know, you need to just like sit down and rest for 15 minutes, but you're just forcing yourself to push through, you're denying the need. So when you deny those physical needs, it starts to affect you mentally and emotionally. And then you start denying other needs too, where it's like you want to speak up, but you don't. And you really preferred this one, but you, you didn't want to say anything to cause, you know, uh, uncomfortableness in other people or discomfort or, you know, it's, it's those little tiny things where we kind of like self-betray almost a little bit at a time where we're not being authentic to ourselves and our needs. 
that starts to kind of roll over into stress. Then we feel pressured. We feel pressured because no one's taking care of our needs. Like other people aren't. Other people are like, hey, what do you need right now? How can I take care of your needs? No, because they're doing the same things to themselves. They're denying their own needs too, so they can't take care of yours. And you're denying your own. You're looking at someone else that's going, hey, can you you know, meet this need? I really need attention right now. I really need this. I really need that. You're blowing up someone's phone with text messages because you really need that attention. But it's like that's the moment where you got to stop and give yourself that attention. Like what's that need there? Are you feeling neglected? Do you feel like you need to speak up about something? Like come into yourself. Don't project out into other people. And that's really what mindfulness is, to come, to come into yourself, to, to ground yourself in yourself to be able to say, oh, what am I feeling right now? Okay, this is what I'm feeling right now. You know, what's the story that's running in my head about this? Oh, he doesn't love me. Or, oh, she's, she hates me. Or, oh, this, you know, those are all stories that we create from the feeling that we feel, you know, that feeling of like being ignored or neglect or whatever it is immediately triggers the story about how other people hate us or how other people are purposely ignoring us or whatever it is. And then, boom, the stress cycle starts in our body physically because our body doesn't know the difference between something that's happening in reality and something that's just, we're just thinking about it. Right. Whether you're thinking about the car crash that happened 10 years ago, or you're actually in one, your body's going through the stress response. Your heart is racing. Your blood pressure is changing. Your, your, your muscles are tensing up. Your throat might start feeling dry. Your, your body goes through the physical response of stress. Your nervous system starts being activated whether you're thinking about it or you're actually going through it. So in this way, we contribute to our stress a lot just from our thoughts. I love that you refer to it as a story, like the story that we tell ourselves. And it, it, you just made me think of the acronym FEAR, false expectations appearing real. And sometimes you tell these stories, like you think about it, but then it's like you get inside your own head and suddenly mm -hmm. like the reference that you made of like, oh, he doesn't love me or she, you know, she doesn't like me or whatever the case may be. These stories start kind of popping up, but then if you allow it, it feels like the thoughts just can get away with you. How do you determine determine what is the story quote unquote versus how am I really feeling like how can we silence that that inner voice that's telling us stories versus getting in touch with how we truly are feeling and being present in that moment so you can do that in two parts one part is to train the muscle of mindfulness of getting see this is the thing so if you're sitting there and you're thinking about this conversation that hasn't even happened assuming it's going to happen and you're going to confront someone and you're going to have this big blowout and whatever and your body goes through stress now the reason why you're not even conscious of the fact that your body is going through this stress is because you're so used to not listening to your body right so you're so used to being in that activated state that you don't realize that you just activated yourself with this uh, you know, hypothetical scenario that hasn't even happened. It might not even happen at all. So it's really important to practice the mindfulness of sitting with your bodily sensations and bodily reactions because feelings show up physically in the body. You know, when you're, when you're angry, you can feel that. You can feel that in your physical body. You can feel yourself getting warm. You can feel your heart racing. You can feel, you know, you making fists but you don't necessarily are, you're not necessarily conscious that you're doing these things, which means you're disconnected from your physical body. You're focused on this outside thing that's quote unquote, making you angry. So one of the ways is to become more mindful and breathe into your body and become more mindful of your feelings as they show up physically. So the next time that that happens, you go, Oh, I just tensed myself. Oh, what am I thinking about? 
oh, oh, my stomach feels queasy. What am I thinking about? Or, oh, I just got like a big hot flash out of nowhere. Like, what am I thinking about? Like, as soon as the physical reaction happens in the body, stop for a moment and, and look at your thoughts and go, oh, what is this? You know, what's happening? What am I thinking about? Where am I going? What's the story here? And another way is to write it down. So as you catch yourself in this whirlwind of thoughts where you're off into the bushes, uh, grab a pen and paper, or, you know, grab a journal. A journal is a really great way to process your feelings. I think I had a, like a little video on this too, where I was talking about in speech class, where I was talking about one of the most powerful ways to work through your emotions is to journal through them. That there, there have actually been a bunch of studies done that journaling decreases depression, it decreases anxiety, it helps you kind of recalibrate internally and realign with yourself. Just putting that stuff on paper, and then once you calm down, just look at it, read it. Does that sound like a story? Like, what's the evidence here? How do you know that he, quote-unquote, feels this way, or she, quote-unquote, thinks this way? You can't feel for him, you can't think for him, and you're certainly not psychic, unless you are. So you you don't know. But you, you assume that you know, and with that assumption, you believe the things that your mind is telling you about it. But the things that your mind is telling you about it is most likely some kind of story that you have from long ago that's just being repeated through different people. Oh, why does everyone always do this? Nobody ever listens to me. Like that, that that's the best way to catch a story. When you go into the always, when you go into the never, when you go into the why does this always happen to me? I promise you, that's a story. Because there's a whole bunch of other stuff happening to you too, but you're not paying attention to those. Your mind is focusing on the repetition of a particular story because there's a belief there. Right. So the belief has to be confirmed over and over again through the story. So your mind looks for the confirmation, right? It's called confirmation bias. We look for the evidence of what we already believe. So it's like scanning your experiences going, oh, that one, yep, see? That confirms that belief. I knew it. Everybody hates me. It almost feels like a form of self-protection to automatically go to the worst thing that could possibly happen and to start believing that so you're not disappointed or let down rather than actually focusing on what is happening in the present moment and dealing with what is currently in front of you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, most of our beliefs that are limited in some way, shape, or form, or limiting, I should say, in some way, shape, or form, are protecting a wound of, of some kind. It's usually a core wound. It's shame, abandonment, rejection. Uh, the two most common ones are uh, rejection and abandonment. And so if you have these core wounds, right, that are usually uh, given to you in childhood and not intentionally, like you don't have to have like a really horrible childhood or really horrible parents to have these wounds. Like you could get it from your, your peers, you can get it from a teacher, you can get it from the people around you, and you can get it from parents who did not mean to give it to you, but did anyway. So we all have some kind of core wound going on, like where there's the shame wound of like, uh, not being able to speak up for our needs and, or feeling ashamed every time we do, like you ask someone for something or, or you share yourself with someone and then immediately you're hit with like guilt and shame. Why did I do that? And why did I allow myself to be vulnerable? And underneath all of it is this fear of vulnerability, this fear of if I put this out or if I love you or if I give this to you, I'm going to be rejected, right? I'm going to be abandoned. I'm going to be shamed. I'm you know, it's, it's, this, it's this fear of that pain. 
So because we've all been rejected, we've all been abandoned, we've all been shamed, we've all had all of these experiences, and some of them hurt really, really bad, and some of them don't. And that will tell you where the wound is and what it's pertaining to, like if it's constantly in your romantic relationships. And that hurts more than like, let's say a friend who's just like, oh, I don't want to be your friend anymore. You're like, okay. And that didn't hurt you, even though that was technically both rejection and abandonment. So it's kind of like a little deep dive you got to do into yourself. And I go into a lot of that stuff in my book, To Your Empowered Self, if anyone wants to do that work, which is a lot of work, by the way. It's not something like you're just going to sit down with a book and a journal and, you know, figure everything out magically, you know? Like when I think of healing, when I think of self-development, it's kind of like if you start a diet or an exercise regime, like you can't do it for like six months and go, oh, I feel great. Guess I'm done now. You know, like there's no doneness to mental and emotional health in the same way that there's no doneness to physical health but you can't run five miles and go i ran five miles i'm perfectly healthy now that's it i'm never running again i'm never exercising there's no like end point there's there's consistent you need consistency you need practice because uh life comes at you 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 might have healed whatever you healed in the past and that's great and wonderful and you feel great but then maybe something will happen at work that will trigger something else that you didn't realize was a thing. Or maybe something happened at school or in your partnership and you're just kind of sitting there like, wait, I thought I was done with this. What the heck is this? Like, why am I feeling this way? And that's another layer of what you need to heal. So it keeps, it keeps coming up. It's like, it's, it's something that you just have to consistently do. It's not something that you just do it once and you're done. Like school, you get the diploma, you're done. Yay. You know, it's not like that. It can be very uncomfortable and difficult to process emotions when you're dealing with hurt and past pain and trauma and old wounds, but I feel like it is something that needs to be done and it's something that needs to be addressed at some point and we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable in that process in order to work through it and move forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, one of the most powerful things we can do is become comfortable with discomfort, which sounds like uh, some kind of, I don't know, oxymoron or they're mutually exclusive or something like that. But every form of change gives you a feeling of discomfort or fear. Some of it is exciting because you're right there on the cusp of it. So it feels like a small step, but some, because you've been expecting it, you've been working towards it and it feels like a, like just the next logical step. So it doesn't bring up those feelings, but other things they feel big, they feel like there's a lot more weight to it. There's a lot more pressure to it. And because of that, you get feelings of fear or discomfort, like changing jobs. Like you don't know what this new job is going to bring you, what kind of boss you're really going to have, like what's coming, you know, quote unquote, what like, what is this unknown thing that I'm going to have to like come up against? And that brings up feelings of discomfort and it brings up feel- feelings of fear. Now we've trained ourselves to run away from those feelings. Like that, those feelings mean stop do not proceed further go back you know but that's not true because it's actually very natural it's very natural to have these feelings come up when you're making any kind of change in your life even even when it's exciting like you're moving to a new place even when you're excited about it you're still maybe feeling a little bit discomfort about it the first night in your new house discomfort and fear are very very common emotions that we all experience when we're experiencing something new And so that newness can actually trigger some old fears and some old, oh, but okay, if I get this, I'm probably going to lose it again. And that's going to be painful, right? Because the thing that we are most afraid of is actually emotion. 
And that's whenever, whenever I say that to somebody, they go, wait, no, I'm afraid of actually losing this. I go, okay, but how would you feel if you lost that? Terrible, horrible, like I don't deserve it. Like, you know, um, I'm unworthy of it. I, yeah, see, it's an, it's an emotion. You've lost plenty of th things in your life that you are just kind of like, meh. You, you probably lose things all the time. There's stuff that doesn't work out for you all the time. But it doesn't feel the same way because there's, there's weight placed on it. It's the way we see it. It's the way we perceive it. And it's the fear of that loss. And most importantly, what that loss means. It's like, well, I don't want to go for that job that I, or the promotion that I really, really want because what if I don't get it? Okay, well, I mean, you still don't have it. So what did you really lose? You didn't lose anything. So when you're attempting something, when you're going for something, and your fear is, but what if I don't get it? But it's like, but you're already living the not getting it. You're, you're already there. So nothing is actually changing for you. What, what makes us hesitant is the fear of the emotion we'll feel when we're quote unquote rejected from it, right? So it's that if I don't get it, it means I'm being rejected from it and rejection hurts and it hits that wound. So that's the fear. It's it's the, that wound being triggered. It's not whether or not you'll get that job. There are, there are tons of jobs that you could possibly get if you tried, or if you went after it, or if you worked on your skills a little bit more, if you or if you were more courageous, or whatever the issue. But we stop ourselves from even trying in the first place because we don't like rejection. And that's why we really like those stories of like athletes or writers or actors who are like, oh man, I was rejected you know, 16 times or 100 times from this movie and from that book and from this publisher and this and that. And then I finally made it and everyone's like, wow, we love this piece of, like, who rejected you? Well, it's the same thing with you. you you've got skill, you've got talent, you, you've got something valuable that you're bringing to relationships, to jobs, to wherever you are in life. And if other people can't see that or it doesn't match what they want, it's not a rejection of you. It's just not a fit for them. They need to find whatever it is that fits for them in the same way that you need to find whatever it is that fits for you with where you are right now. So you reject plenty of things and plenty of people all the time, plenty of opportunities. It's a normal, natural process to kind of sort through what you want, what you don't want, what you like, what you don't like. And it's the same thing for everyone else. And that's most of the time, I would say 99% of the time, it is not personal at all. The person is just thinking about is this a right fit for me? Do I want this? Do I don't want this? And sometimes they're even reacting from their own wounds. Sometimes you're such an amazing person. They're like, oh, holy crap. If I have this person, they'll see what a horrible person I am or how unworthy I am of them. Oh, no, I can't. And then they reject you. And then you're like, oh, damn, I got rejected. I must not be worthy of them. And you don't realize that they're in their head going, oh, I'm not worthy of this person. And that's why I'm rejecting them. So they don't have the, the opportunity to reject me. Right? That there's a form of defensiveness, a form of insecurity there where we reject things we really want because we're afraid that they're going to reject us and that's going to hurt. And it hurts less when you go, when you're the one doing the rejecting. And we do this all the time, not even just with the relationships. We do it with opportunities. We do it with anything. As soon as that discomfort, that fear comes up where it says, uh oh, uh oh. Yeah, but what is the uh oh? The uh oh is the fear of the emotion whether it's rejection, abandonment, shame. One word I picked up from everything you just said is worthiness and how the tendency could be to focus on qualities that we feel that we have that make us unworthy. And even if other people tell you how amazing you are and how talented you are, the focus tends to shift 
to something that may not even be true, may not even be real, and yet we tend to focus on all the things that we believe deem us unworthy. Where does that come from and why does that happen? Well, it could come from two things. One is practice. You you see our brain, the way our minds work is it's 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 a muscle, just like everything else. So the more you practice focusing on the negatives, the more you practice focusing, which could come from, this is the second part, protection, fear from the rejection, from the shame. It's, it's protecting yourself from putting yourself in a position where you're going to be really hurt. So you practice protecting, you practice protecting, and your mind thinks it's kind of helping you by going, oh, you've got to fix this thing. This thing right here, oh, that, that makes you unworthy, that makes you unlovable. Uh, no, you got You can't let people see that. Nope, nope, hide that, hide that. And then as soon as you become vulnerable, as soon as somebody actually sees you, it triggers that fear of, uh-oh, I'm being seen, or uh-oh, you know, this wound is going to be, like, open to everybody to see. They'll see how unworthy I am, how unlovable I am. They'll see that I'm not worth what they what, what I really want, right? That, that's the fear then. It's like that, that I don't deserve this thing that I really want, and again, that comes from a core wound, and it comes from us perpetuating the core wound by trying to protect the core wound from never being triggered. The more you try to avoid something being triggered, the more it gets triggered. It sounds like leaning into these wounds and bringing up the things that we may have buried deep within ourselves and swept under the rug and have avoided at all costs dealing with or working through. I think it's kind of doing a disservice to ourselves by not bringing it up and by not addressing it and by not working through it. I think one of the best things that we can do for ourselves is to face it head on and deal with whatever discomfort we may deal with in the moment. And once that's done, it frees us and it allows us to move on. Yeah. And I would say that um, a good place to start would be to work on uh, sitting with your emotions and being with your emotions because whatever wound that you've got There's a reason why you're afraid to look at it One of those reasons is usually that it was given to you at such a young age at, at that age Let's say it was given to you when you were seven years old at that age being like publicly shamed or embarrassed Let's say a teacher like embarrassed you in front of the class and everyone laughed at you like at seven years old that feels unbearable it feels like death, the level of rejection and shame that you feel, right? Because at seven years old, you can't handle those big emotions. Those are really big emotions. You've got a really small container and you pour all that in there, it's gonna overflow and it's gonna make you feel overwhelmed. Okay, but now you've avoided the, that feeling, anything that, that would make you feel embarrassed or make you feel shame, you've avoided it, avoided it, avoided it. Now you're an adult who actually has the capacity to deal with embarrassment or shame or whatever, doesn't be able to shrug it off or to cry it out or let it go or whatever it is, but you're refusing to go there because that seven-year-old remembers how painful it was. Even though now as an adult, it might not be as painful, but you're not even going there. You're not even touching it. You're not even looking at it because that seven-year-old is like holding onto that wound. He's like, uh-uh, we're not touching this. We're not going, going anywhere near this. So um, one of the most powerful ways that you can heal this stuff is to work on feeling your feelings, to be with them, to let them rise in your body and know that it's not going to kill you. Like the, our body makes us feel like we're dying. Like when you're having anxiety, you feel like you're dying, right? When uh, you have anger, you feel like, you know, you could explode. We say that, right? So these extreme 
ways that we we feel and explain our emotions because they come up and because they feel so heavy and so intense we suppress we distract we run off into a story we we run off with a narrative in our minds and we don't actually deal with what's happening in our physical body we don't sit with it we don't let it discharge right because these these feelings these emotions that are physical physiological reactions in the body have to be discharged from the body so they can be discharged in physical ways uh running playing sports if you if you're an athlete you regularly discharge physical emotions like men are, are a lot better at doing this than women are in that they will go for runs or they will go to to a punching bag or they will go play sports or whatever it is when they feel angry or they feel upset or whatever it is and they'll discharge it from the body right. but then they'll stop there they won't go into the emotional aspect right. women are on the other end where we will try to sit with the emotion and try to figure it out and what do we need to fix and who do we need to talk to and and get comfort from our friends or whatever it is but then we don't discharge it from our body so it, it's a it's a twofold of top down and and bottom up as they call it so it, the from your thoughts give rise to the feelings in your body which is top down and your body your physical body your sensations of the emotions in your body give rise to thoughts which ends up creating a loop both both of them create loops you got to stop that loop somehow so you have to interrupt that loop somehow and the best way to do it is to just kind of breathe into the loop notice the loop notice that it's happening notice that the, this is rising okay my hands are shaking right now it doesn't mean anything cuz cuz your mind's going to go oh my god i'm dying no it doesn't mean anything don't go with the story don't go with the belief don't go with any of that stuff the only thing that's happening is that your hand is shaking that is a fact your hand is shaking everything else is something you've added to it so your heart is racing okay that's another fact your heart is racing so you notice the physical changes in your body and you breathe you have to focus on your breathing because if you stop breathing then your physical changes are going to get even worse because your body will think you are dying because you're not breathing so it's important it's important to be able to work with your breath to take long exhales to kind of bring your body into like calm and relaxation as it's doing its physical release because that hand shaking is actually how your body releases emotion but we don't realize that the physical way that emotions show up in our body is actually our body is incredibly intelligent it's very very wise it's it has its own language and it has its own way of doing things and one of the ways that it does it is you shake it out you sweat it out you become like really jittery and you feel tingling sensations and those are all basically just the nervous system releasing emotions from your body but when that starts happening we start freaking out we think oh no this means something bad is that bad is happening we think that you know this is a sign like everything is a sign right like the fear is a sign the discomfort is a sign the shaking hands is the sign the feeling like you're out of breath because you know you're having an anxiety attack is a sign you know these things aren't signs these things are really normal and natural ways that your body responds to whatever it is that you're perceiving that you are experiencing for someone that's not familiar with these practices or maybe someone that deals with societal pressures like I know you mentioned men and a lot of times men can feel like they can't speak up or cultural stigmas you know I can't that's not a thing in our culture we we don't talk about that what advice would you give to someone that wants to better themselves and wants to take better care of themselves but kind of just doesn't know where to start and feels like there's certain restrictions or boundaries this is the uh interesting part about that is that everyone thinks that it's just them who feels that way and the more like i speak on this stuff the more i get people who are like i feel so alone and i don't have anyone to talk to and i feel like i'm suffocating and i feel this and i feel that and one of the things that i always say is that i promise you there are other people who feel exactly the same way you do and they're afraid to say it too 
they're afraid because people are like, oh, well, just, okay, you're depressed, just don't be depressed. Oh, you're anxious, just don't be anxious. Like, th there's, there's a dismissiveness to mental health that exists 100%. 100%. Even in my culture. I'm Armenian, and we frown upon uh, therapy and mental health because it means you're quote-unquote crazy. Right. So sometimes when I'll tell people that I am in therapy, I'm working on myself. I'm like, oh, like, what do you want? Really? It's like, yes, it doesn't mean that I'm, you know, completely psychotic. Like that's not that's not what mental health uh, means. That's not what taking care of yourself and your wellness means. So I'm, I'm very, very familiar and very aware of the stigma of mental health, especially coming from my culture. But again, I, I decided that I was just going to be brave and I just wasn't going to care what anyone thought. And I started speaking out and more and more people are in my DMs going, I, I felt that way too. I feel depressed. I can't tell anybody because, uh, you know, I'm a man and I'm expected to be this big, strong man. And, you know, and, I'm, and, I, and I tell them the same things every time. It's like the more you deny what you feel and try to be strong in the face of it, like just through dismissing it, you're denying your needs, you're denying what your mind, body, spirit, everything else needs, and that's only gonna make your mental health worse. Find someone. I mean, if it's a professional, great. If you can't afford a professional, find someone else. Even if it's someone you don't know, even if it's someone online who's just maybe from the same culture and understands what, you know, what you're going through, but isn't your family member or a close friend or if a close friend works great but you need someone where you feel like you're being heard and you're being validated because that's that pain of feeling like i'm going through this thing and nobody is listening and nobody hears me and nobody cares and nobody this nobody understands that places you in a very lonely position that even if you're surrounded by a hundred you could be the most popular person in your culture, in your community, in your school, in your workplace, and still be drowning in loneliness because there are things that you need to say that you need someone to quote-unquote witness. You need a witness to your life. Now, traditionally, we, we take that as someone who you marry or someone you're in a relationship with or something like that, someone who was witnessing your life, your everyday, your experiences, your, your anger, your sadness. Your, you know, Do you take this person... You know, in sickness and in health. Yeah, we're talking about having a witness to our lives for the rest of our lives. But we're so afraid of being seen that we, we reject these witnesses and we go, no, I, don't want to, I want you to witness me, but I don't want you to see me. And it's that fear of rejection and that fear of abandonment. It's that fear of if I speak up, everyone's going to think I'm weak. Everyone's going to think I'm this. Everyone's going to think I'm that. I've got anxiety problems. But the, but I've, I've had it for a very long time since I was a kid. Uh, I have worked through so many different levels of it. I speak very openly about that. I speak openly about my agoraphobia. I speak very openly about my PTSD and all the stuff that I've been through. And sometimes that stuff comes back. It's like, I think I'm done. And then all of a sudden it'll hit me out of nowhere from somewhere else. And then I got to do that level of, of healing. It's never the same intensity, same level. But then I got to go through that. And I speak about it because I want other people to feel like there's no shame in that. Because I promise you... Even the person who says, well, just don't be depressed or just don't be anxious is also feeling anxiety and stress and everything else, too. And they're telling themselves the same thing. Whatever they're telling you, I promise you, they're telling themselves, too, and it's not working. That's why the world is in the state that it is. Because previously, whatever it is we tried to do to heal ourselves mentally and emotionally, which is just, just to dismiss it, ignore it, or distract it, is not 
working. This world is very traumatized. Society everywhere, in every in almost every country, I'm not gonna say every country, but in almost every country is dealing with so much stress and so much trauma because we just keep re-traumatizing ourselves from ignoring our mental health. We put such a strong emphasis on the physical health and that's important too because you can't have one without the other. But all three of them, the mental, the emotional, and the physical, it has to go together. It has to be a holistic approach to healing because if one of those things is off, it's going to slowly, it might not be fast, but it's going to slowly take the other ones with it. So find someone, find find a community, even if it's just online. You, you need to be heard and you need to be seen and you need to be validated. That is what your soul wants. It wants, to, it wants someone to go, oh, I'm so sorry that you went through that. I am so sorry that you were experiencing this pain. I can't feel this pain for you, but I will sit with you. Is there anything you want to say? Is it, do you want to cry about it? Do you want to, what do you need? I'm here for you. Sometimes right. that is the most healing thing you can give to somebody. If somebody is not knowing where to start and just doesn't know who to talk to or they don't feel like they have a close circle that, that they can confide in um, with these types of topics, your work and your books truly are a great place to start. What book would you recommend first for someone maybe going through like a struggle or just doesn't know where to turn to or doesn't know how to even talk about? Sometimes it's like you know you're feeling something, but you don't even know how to put it into words just yet. Where would be a good place to start? All right. So if you're looking for like a deep dive, if you want to do the work, I would suggest this last book that I wrote, Your Empowered Self, which will help you through journaling, through exercises, through kind of inquiring within, as well as physical exercises that you can do out in the world as well, activities, exercises, whatever. That will help you kind of look within and progress in that area. If you're looking for comfort, if you're looking for just like some self-care or something like that, I would suggest either uh, In Case Nobody Told You or The Book of Relief. The Book of Relief will explain the physical aspect. I was talking about how it shows up in the body. The Book of Relief will, it will explain the physical aspect of how emotions show up in the body, how your nervous system works. And there are some affirmations in there, some, some uh, passages in there to help you kind of put you at ease, to, to kind of train you in how it feels to feel that relief. So I don't know if you've read the book or not, but when you read a passage and you feel that sense of relief that comes over you, like like almost like permission or okayness, or oh, someone gets it. It's, it's important to pay attention to that emotion because that's what you're looking for throughout your day so that when you have the thought, when you try to shift your thought from negative to something a little bit more neutral and you feel that relief in your body, you go, ah, I feel relief. That means basically I've switched path from the negative spiral to something more neutral and then it'll take you to something more more positive. So um, that book will help a lot in that department if you want to kind of start slow and if you kind of want to start with something more comforting, more self-care. And in case nobody told you, probably those two I would say, uh, if you want to start with just basic, you'll get an understanding of, of my work and what I do. And um, But if you want the deep dive, I suggest your empowered self. Perfect. And where can listeners buy your books? Um, my books are available worldwide through Amazon. Amazon is my distributor, and they also do expanded distribution, so it should be available at Barnes & Noble and bookstores uh, everywhere else. You can buy it in Kindle format. You can buy it in paperback, and you can buy it in uh, hardcover as well, just some of them, and they're kind of limited. I don't know why Amazon has it limited, but... The hardcovers are a little bit limited in their release and in their countries, but yeah, so those those three options, you can do digital, you can do paperback, you can do 
uh, hardcover and Amazon will ship it to you within two days if you have Prime. Awesome. And where can listeners find you? Uh, so my website is marutian.com, which is my last name, M-A-R-O-U-T-I-A-N.com. Uh, I will put news updates, stuff like that. I will probably be putting this interview up there as well if people want to uh, go and listen from there. Um, also, I'm on Instagram. It's it's my probably my most active social media. So E and then Marutian, E for Emily and then Marutian. So uh, E-M-A-R-O-U-T-I-A-N. That's my uh, handle. So I post stuff uh, there all the time. And I'll probably take little snippets from what I said here and turn them into little quotes and release them because that's just generally what I do. Like I just, I find little snippets of things that I think will be helpful to others and I'll write it or I'll speak it or whatever it is. And I'll just put it up for people to just kind of take with them. If there's one thing that you'd like listeners to take away from our chat today, what would that be? Um, I would say probably that whatever it is that you are experiencing, regardless of how extreme it feels for you, you are not alone. And especially nowadays, there are so many more people who feel the way that you do, who feel just as scared about talking about it or reaching out or anything. It just takes one person to do it for everyone to go, oh, okay, let me reach out to this person because they know how I feel. Like you can be that person too, where you just, it doesn't have to be everything. You don't have to lay your wounds out bare for everybody to, to kind of see and scrutinize and to, you know, you can decide how much you want to share and what you want to share and what you're comfortable with sharing. I would just suggest going just a little bit past your comfort zone. Like if it feels just a little bit scary, a little bit uncomfortable, that's a good place to be. Not fully out there like we are terrified, but just, just lean into the discomfort a little bit more in regards to sharing yourself or being seen or being authentic, speaking out about your needs or any of that. Emily Marutian, thank you so much for coming on and providing us with such useful information. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Star, so much for this opportunity. I'm so glad we uh, met in speech class. Absolutely. I'm so glad. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Hangout. I'm your host, Star Eisenberg, and I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into all the tips and information you can use to help improve your quality of life. As always, you can head over to starpowerfit.com to sign up for my email list and subscribe to the podcast, as well as check out all the links and resources. That's all for this episode. See you next time.